0: welcome everyone to another episode of the chaldean priest show you'll probably already know who i am by now but again this is father daniel and today i'll be talking about the theology behind the crucifixion of jesus and really what to make out of it and how that could apply to our lives all right let's get started So, today is Sunday, and you'll be listening to this tomorrow on Monday. And unfortunately, my San Diego Padres lost against the San Francisco Giants. It was a devastating loss by a big number. But what gives me a lot of encouragement is this is a World Series team. We have the phenomenal Fernando Tatis Jr., who is the face of the MLB, On the Padres, so I'm thankful for that. And again, it was a tough loss, but we have many more games ahead of us in which we can make up for that. And again, I'm sorry if you're not a baseball fan. This, I mean, you're listening to this podcast during the baseball season, and I'm a big baseball fan. So it's just something you have to live with at this point, okay? So I mean, I think on the on the on one of the options on Apple, I don't know if this applies to Android or Spotify, but you can skip like 10 or 15 seconds at a time, I think. So I'm giving you permission to skip through any time I talk about baseball, if, it, if that's not interesting to you. Um, but in any case, why don't we talk about the theology of the crucifixion? I know we made a big turn just now from baseball to theology, but welcome to the life of a priest. Okay, so the Basilica hymn I'm going to be reading from the Chaldean liturgy is surrounded by evidence of the meaning of the crucifixion of Jesus and especially his resurrection. So this comes from the sixth Sunday of the resurrection according to the liturgical calendar of the Chaldean church. Okay, I'm going to read uh, the whole Basilica hymn and comment on it right after. So it says, We have gained an unending boast against death in the cross of Christ and in His resurrection from among the dead. For by His suffering, He uprooted the sentence upon us. In great unending glory, then, we all cry out and say, Only begotten God the Word, who assumed our mortal body. Have pity, O Lord, on your servants." who confess your cross. Okay, end quote. So he said that we have something to boast about with what Christ did on the cross and what this Basilica hymn is alluding to is his death on the cross being the fulfillment of us no longer being sentenced to eternal damnation. And The first thing I want to start with as sort of the foundation is what St. Paul talks about in his letter to the Corinthians. So in 1 Corinthians, he says that the cross is a scandal for the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. So why does Paul say this? And I know I've mentioned that I'm going to do a Bible study on Paul, so this is a little warm up for you all. So one of the reasons why Paul is mentioning that the cross is a scandal for the Jews is because the Jews, they want and they wanted the manifestation of God's power. And if it was defeated on the cross, the complete fulfillment of God's power was defeated on the cross, then that's a scandal for them. Because the whole point of the cross was to completely humiliate someone. And the cross for the Jews, that that would mean that the Messiah is dead, in which it would be a complete scandal. And that's why, that's I mean, one of the reasons why there is this complete rejection against Jesus being the Messiah who died on the cross. So... That's number one. Number two, he mentions that it could be folly to the Gentiles. And what he means by folly here to the Gentiles is that the Gentiles would see that same shame being on the cross and they can't really wrap their heads around it. But for us, how are we supposed to make out the crucifixion of Christ? What are we supposed to make out of it? Because understanding the crucifixion Gives us a better understanding of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Okay, so first things first, the theology of the crucifixion begins with something called recapitulation, which literally means reheaded up. So, what's reheaded up on the cross, it, I mean, it's not just a mere payment of some person who did something nice for someone else, but As we see in the Catechism, it mentions, and this is Catechism 519 for whoever is interested, but it shows an act, a completely selfless act by a human being who happens to also be God, the very head of the human race. And... The catechism, and I love that the catechism does this, it goes on to mention how the entire life of Christ was revolved around sacrifice. And of course, it was culminated uh, on the cross. But you can even see this through scripture, right? Where Jesus, he sacrificed his sleep. He sacrificed, you know, eating. He sacrificed the luxuries of life. He sacrificed uh, his time, his effort, everything. He was constantly sacrificing, and this is a very common theme, especially when you get to uh, his ministry in the gospel. And to understand this idea of recapitulation on the cross, we should also see this as being typological, where we see... And for example, the book of Daniel, the book of Isaiah, the, you know, Jesus being seen as the suffering servant, Jesus being seen as the son of man, so on and so forth. So Jesus, in his act of dying on the cross, he is, like I said in the beginning, he is recapitulating to have a reestablishment in our relationship with God. Because remember, Jesus is a new Adam. He is redoing what Adam was not able to fulfill. And I really have to be honest, guys, when I was studying for my bachelor's degree in philosophy and theology, and then on to my master's in theology, and I'd be sitting in these classes that would, you know, the, I had, thank God, you know, I'm very thankful to uh, have had very intellectual and deep professors throughout my time in studying theology. But I remember sitting in these classes and just being in complete awe of these completely new things that I've never heard before uh, in theology. And I remember I would be jotting down a bunch of notes and at some point I would just stop and just be in complete uh, shock of the things that I was hearing about Jesus. And that's when I started to really transform into wanting to know more and I mean, this could, the idea of learning theology can come off as being really boring, but I really still uh, believe in the philosophy of, it's only boring if we make it boring, because these things that have to do with Christ, these theological truths that exist in this world, they really come, so what they do is they draw us closer to our own purpose as human beings, because... Jesus is a son of God and Jesus is also God by his nature, right? He's both God and man. And the more we understand who God is and the more we understand why Jesus did the things that he did during his time here on earth, then we start to get uh, more invested into our purpose and our unity with God. And I promise I'm not just saying this because I'm a Catholic priest, but I'm saying this because this is real. This is a real thing that I experienced because when I joined the seminary, it's not like I joined and became a priest right away. I was still a lay person. I was still someone that wasn't really exposed to theology. I mean, I knew some things, right? I knew uh, the very basic, the very minimal uh, of theology, but once I started, started being more eager and started uh, asking more questions and starting to really uh, be available for these truths, not only for my own ministry, but for my own soul. I started to see myself become much more fulfilled in my life. And remember, when it comes to theology, it is a big ocean of facts, of topics that are up for debate, things that you would never imagine would be up for debate are up for debate in theology. And there are some theologians who go their entire lives just trying to unpack, for example, one of St. Paul's letters. And I just realized I went on a very long tangent. I'm sorry about that. So, okay, what I was getting at is this, is And this is really going to tie up exactly what I mean by understanding theology more and this allowing us to grow in our love for God. So an example, a scriptural reflection on recapitulation is the wedding at Cana. So if you have your Bibles available or if you're on your phone, you can turn uh, to John 2. John 2 1 through 12. So, this is the entire episode of the wedding at Cana. And the reason why this is a good reference to Jesus re heading up, quote unquote, is because in this episode of the wedding at Cana, remember, after the fall, the complete union of marriage is broken. And what does Jesus do in this episode? What he does is he re re-heads up marriage at the wedding. And he points us to his completion in his own marriage feast, which is his hour. Remember, he tells the Blessed Mother, my hour has not yet come. He's referencing that the, remember, the wedding feast of the Lamb. He's referencing that because he is showing us how he is a new Adam. And he's bringing back together, reheading up, recapitulating the reality of marriage. And I want to end this episode, I mean, this segment, before we get to the second segment, the lines end. I'm going to throw a monkey wrench, okay? Would you say that it's proper to say God died? God died on the cross. Is that proper to say? Just think about it. If you need to pause it, pause it. But I really want you to think about it before I move before you listen uh, to my explanation on it. Okay, so now that you've thought this through, my opinion is, is that that is correct. That God did die on the cross. And this is, what I'm going to explain right now is a complete summary of this Basilica hymn that I read from the Chaldean liturgy. So, St. Thomas Aquinas, my very good friend, he says that the incarnation is the greatest sign of God's power. And what it means to say that God died is showing that the cross really reveals Jesus's dual natures, divine and human. Jesus is God. And through his human nature, his human nature dies on the cross. But that doesn't mean that Jesus is not God at that second. He is God and he will be God for all of eternity. And I think this is why Aquinas said what he said. Because this was the price God was willing to pay for us to be free from the slavery of sin. This is it no matter what Peter said when he was denying him, no matter how much he was being humiliated by the Roman soldiers, whether no matter how many times he was being mocked on his way to Golgotha, no matter any of these things, that does not take away from how powerful this crucifixion was. And you can see how we can have a better understanding of how powerful the resurrection is as well you know so i described a bit of theology regarding the crucifixion of christ now imagine the theology behind the resurrection of jesus and i spoke about it a little bit in my previous episodes but the resurrection shows us that even though God died on the cross, like I said, according, so don't hear what I'm not saying, right? According to his human nature, he died, okay? And when Jesus dies on the cross and then is resurrected after three days, it just keeps adding to the caliber of his power and how much he he really loves us, his immense power for us, because his love being infinite for us is revealed on the cross and is revealed when he is resurrected from the dead. And so that is my very brief theological explanation of the cross according to this basilica hymn that I read today. And I'm sure you would have some questions for me regarding a few things that I said. And if you do, just make sure you reach out to me so we get those questions answered. All right, now on to the lines then. I know some of you told me that this lion roaring effect scared some of you the first time you heard this podcast. I kid you not. I was just editing something uh on this program for this episode and I got scared guys. Okay. So there it is. So it did scare me too. So you're not alone. Okay, for this segment on the lines then. I want to address something. Okay. So I hate to break it to you guys, but if you disagree with something the church does, whether it's a doctrine, whether it's an encyclical, whether it is an interview that Pope Francis made on a plane, whether it is why Pope Benedict Sixteenth retired, wh- whatever it may be, with whatever you disagree with with the church, it first requires the person who is disagreeing with the church to have at least some sort of knowledge of things that are of ecclesial nature whether it is a Church Fathers, whether it is Scripture, whether it is dogma, whether it is a magisterium, whatever it may be, you can't just disagree with something that you don't really understand. Because all that's going to do is harm you, harm the people that are listening to you, and just cause way more confusion in your life. And no one wants confusion in their lives, right or wrong. If you want confusion, then... I mean, I'm sorry, you know, but I've never met someone that desires to be confused in their lives. And I'm mainly saying this because I, I mean, I see this very often on Twitter when there is something trending about the church, whether, and unfortunately, when the church is trending on Twitter, it's always something bad. But when that happens, there is a big wave of Catholics who start publicly denying things that the church believes in and completely starts basically rejecting the church publicly, you know, and like I told you before, I'm studying canon law right now, and there are consequences to publicly denying the church and rejecting church teaching. So I encourage you, please, if there is something that you disagree with, whether it's a teaching, whether it's a priest that told you something, whether it's something you read in the Bible that seems completely horrendous, ask questions, find out the answers, research, ask, uh, open up some commentaries, some biblical commentaries, whatever it may be. Just do something to help you get to the bottom of that question that's really on your mind. And if you don't know a priest, I mean, now you know me, you know? So you can ask me if you have any questions. I might not have the answer to all the questions that you have, but I mean, I'll give it a shot if I can. If not, I will humbly tell you that I have no idea what the answer to that question is, but let me get back to you. So that is my episode for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, if you have any questions, please be sure to reach out to me via social media. And I tagged my social media, my Twitter and my Instagram in the description of this episode. And as always, see you next time.